Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We're still at the Consumer Electronics Show. Brett Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser, the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University. Morning, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. Another day at CES. Another day. And with us today, we've got the CEO of a company called Udelv, U-D-E-L-V, Daniel Laurie. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Thank you very much, Fred and Alan. A pleasure to be here. Let's start out by telling the audience what Udelv is. Give us some background about the company and what you do. Yes, Udelv created the world's first self-driving public road-enabled delivery vehicle. We started the company a couple of years ago, actually late uh, 2016, launched our version 1, V1, of our product in uh, by the end of January of last year, 2018, completed over 1,200 deliveries in the San Francisco Bay Area since then, and uh, about to unveil our second generation uh, vehicle today um, in partnership with Baidu Apollo, um, and about to announce a couple of uh, large uh, commercial deals. Well, tell us more about that, if you can. Um, what are the differences in the, in the new vehicle that, that you're coming out with? And tell us what you can about the partnerships. The, the major difference is, is that the new vehicle is a cloud-connected vehicle that is uh, faster in speed, can go up to 60 miles per hour, um, can uh, drive on a much larger um, range, a catchment area of over 400 miles, square miles, uh, which is, you know, about 20, 25 miles radius around a store, and can carry up to 32 customer orders per cycle. So it's a, it's a vehicle that can be used by any retailer in the U.S., anytime, anywhere, and I think this is the world's first vehicle that can do so. And how would they... How would your customers, which are the retailers, right? How would they use your service? Is, is it similar to me ordering a Lyft, or how does it work? Yes, pretty much so. We uh, created a mobile app, and you have two versions of the mobile app, a merchant version and a consumer version. Uh, so the merchant version allows the merchants to load the vehicle, um, and the consumer version allows the consumer to uh, to retrieve their goods. Um, who, who have you been delivering for? Uh, Twelve uh, paying customers in the Bay Area so far. So we're uh, probably one of the very first business applications. The of Local businesses primarily? Yes. Okay. yes. We're probably one of the very first in the world business applications, real business applications of autonomous driving. And by the way, I want to say that uh, probably delivery will be the first large-scale business application of autonomous driving. I think 2019 is going to be the year of uh, self-driving delivery. And there is a reason for that is that it's, it's far less dangerous to carry goods than to carry people. If you look at the history of transportation of the last 300 years, every single new mode of transportation started with goods first and then you put people into it. Um, so it's very important to recognize that. Um, with that, uh, we're the very first company that has had uh, paying customers, other than government agencies, um, using a, a, a 
a, an autonomous driving application. And we had 12 paying customers in the Bay Area. Our first customer was a grocery store, local grocery store. Um, but then we expanded this to a pharmacy, to an industrial bakery, to an auto parts distribution. Um, so very uh, much various industries. Um, what we've come up here with this uh, version of the vehicle, the second version of the vehicle, is in um, pa patent pending adaptive cargo space. What we realize um, in doing those 1,200 deliveries over the last year or so is two things. Merchants, um, for merchants, time is of the essence. It's, as e-commerce is growing and the, the number of deliveries is growing, they're timing everything by the second. Amazon is doing this, Walmart's doing, timing everything by the second. So you need to have a vehicle that uh, you can load really, really quickly. Um, and the second thing is you need an adaptive cargo space because you have various industries and sometimes you have very small goods like uh, medications, for example, um, or very large one like auto parts. Um, and you're not gonna make a vehicle for each one of those different goods. Um, Remember, in the old world, um, you had uh, one cargo space, someone would open the door, find the package, and then uh, deliver the package. But with automated deliveries, you need to have some sort of shelving space, some sort of lockers on, lockers on wheels, if you will, in order for the consumer to retrieve their own goods as opposed to somebody else's goods. So that's what makes it so difficult. Then you have to make it adaptive because... Exactly. Does it work through a phone, an app that would yes. un unlock a space for yes. me? Exactly, it works. Like what they're doing with uh, some people who are doing uh, Airbnbs, you know, they're now making locks with a combination on front and so the new Air Airbnb customer can ta tag in and, and use it and then as soon as they leave, that combination changes, goes to the next person. Same thing you're doing, you have to do it. You, you said it perfectly you well. You can do it at home, you give somebody to. a code to, to come in and paint your house or whatever. I mean, you have to do it there, as yeah. he said it very well. You yes. have different commodities, different sizes. You have to worry about cleanliness and cleaning it and so on, things like that for certain commodities depending on what you carry. But, you know, I mean, that, he, he's done a right track. And, and we sophisticated that um, a little bit based on the experience we've accumulated over 1,200 because, for example, you have certain types of goods where the person who orders the good is not the one who receives it. A very good example is flowers, for example. 90% of the people who order flowers order them as a gift. So the person who receives the flowers is not the one who orders them. So at the beginning we had some issues because the locker, uh, the unlocking mechanism was based on your cell phone number because you would retrieve it with your mobile device. Uh, but if you're not the one who ordered it, there's a problem. So we, we created a sophisticated way of sharing the code that you were, Ellen, talking about in order to be able to retrieve that. Tell us about the uh the regulatory process, what you've had to go through to be able to do what you're doing now and, 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 and do what you want to do going forward. Well, I think we're very lucky in the United States. It's probably the first time in the history of the world where the legislator, I would say, is ahead of the technology. 
and very much so, and it's pretty impressive that it's 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 like that. Uh, in Arizona, you, it's totally open for business. You can have a vehicle on the roads that has no steering wheel, no pedals. Uh, Texas is very close to that kind of legislation. A lot of states are now getting there. Thirty-six states out of fifty states in the in the United States have uh, enacted some sort of legislation for autonomous driving, and this positions the United States as the leading country in the world uh, in terms of legislation. I think it should continue to be like that. So what did you have to do to the, with the PUC, the Public Utilities Commission in, in California, to be able to do this, to be able to charge? Did they uh, put their driverless, and we like to use the word driverless on this because you are driverless, not self-driving, not autonomous, not all the other goofy names that everybody uses, not level 22 or any of those things, uh, but driverless. What did you have to do with the PUC? Was the California PUC involved or not? Well, l let me first address your your semantics question. Uh, it's a very, there's three words to describe this, autonomous driving, self-driving, and driverless. And they're being used like that. So the Secretary of Transportation told me one day that they've made a, a study. And it turns out the, that the public's um, number one choice is self-driving. Because the fact that it's self-driving doesn't mean there's nobody is driving. It means that it's self-driving. And apparently it's what the public is uh, the least afraid of. Um, but you know, well, you I don't know, know. I understand, but it's but it's a uh, it, 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 well, I call it a fraud. I mean, Tesla is not a driverless vehicle, and if if you want to do driverless, level if, uh, what it's I, I don't even care what level it's level eighty seven. Um, the, the, the SAE levels are are just terrible. I mean, but that's that's my beef with the with the SAE. The issue is 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 do you have an attendant on board? To be, to be able to, to uh, stay with the goods. If you do, uh, that's one thing. You incur labor costs associated with that, it implies a certain business model, and it implies a certain mobility uh, opportunity. If you don't have anybody there, it's a whole different business. It's a whole different business. You need somebody probably to load it, you need somebody to unload it. Unless you deal with those pieces separately, you could. You could be there and have those pieces too. But, but the, the issue is, is to get from A to B, is there anybody there? Now, there could be somebody outside controlling it from the outside, which I think you have, right? Uh, you have some oversight on the outside of the vehicle. Is that correct or not? Well, let, let me first address your question about the PEC, which is in California, is the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. I want to say that we have an extraordinarily good relationship with them. Yeah. Uh, the uh, DMV of California, which is otherwise criticized a lot for other reasons, as far as we love, we love the California DMV. They've done a great job. We, we they've been with us too, Mr. Soriano. They've done a wonderful job yes, in, in, yes. In, in, in doing it. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, that, that's no, another it, issue. Yeah, go, uh, exactly. All right. No, in terms of autonomous driving, the California DMV is doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, but the, to address but, the, but the Public Utilities Commission comes in there, at least with the movement of people, saying you can't be in the business of charging anybody for a ride unless you get their approval. So there are the two regulatory entities there. With respect to goods movement in California, I don't think the, the Public Utilities Commission is involved. Or is there anybody else involved besides the DMV? 
No, uh, there's, uh, to my knowledge, no one else involved in the D so in California. Nobody standing as long as you have a permit to do to from DMV to do driverless, which they do, and and testing and operation, which they which they do. Then you're good to go on the streets anywhere. Go ahead. Well, so. Um, the, the, the DMV in California is setting the rules for autonomous driving. I, to my knowledge, I don't think there's any other public utility commission doing this right. within with, California. With, within for goods movement. Well, so for goods movement, um, it, it is something that is still being addressed at the level of the DMV. And, uh, for example, we were part of... Uh, of a um, public hearing, I think it was back in on October 19th of last year, um, to address what how the California DMV is going to deal with um, paid passengers or paid goods uh, transportation with driverless vehicles. And uh, I don't think that this is a matter that's been settled yet, uh, but it's definitely in progress and making very, very good progress. How, but many, how many vehicles do you have on the road today? So and are they completely driverless? Is there a safety person on board or anything? Or? Oh, the, the, there is a safety person on board. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. There is a safety person on board. How many vehicles do you um, have out there? So far, we have four vehicles, and uh, our goal is to uh, make about 100 in 2019, for which we have uh, uh, more than half of that uh, either signed deals or in the process of being signed. Um, I'd like to go back to Alain's question on uh, um, jobs and, uh, and, and, and what happens. I, I think this is a, of course, you know, um, uh, some, some driver jobs will, will disappear, although it's, it's going to take a long time. It's a long process. But we're creating a lot of jobs for, um, at the level of community retail because you're going to have to load those vehicles. And someone's going to have to pick up in the aisle, make, prepare the orders, and load those vehicles. I'm a big believer that at the end of the day, this uh, technology is going to create jobs rather than destroy them. They may not be the same jobs, but it will create a lot of jobs. What I say is it does create jobs because the number of people that are involved in the movement of goods today are going to be the same number of people that are involved in the vehicles to move goods. There will just be so much more goods movement that will be moved by others other than me. Okay, so instead of me driving my Ford F-150 to the store and loading it up and putting it in there, I'll have you do it. Okay, so therefore, I, I, I'm unemploying myself. You know how much I make on that? I, I provide no tax revenue, income tax revenue for that service to the state of California, so they shouldn't care. So it's, it's just like restaurants. Restaurants have unemployed us from cooking, yet have employed all the people around us to serve us and to deliver them. That's what this is going to do. So all the discussion that's out there about all the unemployment that's going to cause is just noise. We're just going to have a lot more things delivered to our house by, by you rather than by myself. And the other thing is that we're going to have them delivered in a much more convenient way. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, otherwise, who knows when I do it, and I have to spend my Saturday doing it or whatever, you know, all the, the, the you know, of course, go ahead. <laughs> Are you seeing any pushback at all? I, I've seen, and I, I almost thought it was funny, I've, I've heard some people talking about pushback from consumers that somebody doesn't bring it all the way up to their door 
when they order something. They physically have to go out and get it from the vehicle. That people are used to th somebody ringing the doorbell and here's here's your pizza, here's your whatever. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, although I think it's very theoretical. Um, if you think about it uh, seriously, uh, you always have to walk a few feet to retrieve a package. I mean, look, if, you're, if you have a house uh, in a suburban area, you're going to walk a few feet to your gate to get the package, you know, that someone uh, uh, left there. Or if you're in an apartment building uh, that now in San Francisco, there's so much being delivered in an apartment, in apartment complexes where you have like a thousand apartments that they require the tenants to come down in the lobby and retrieve their packages or whether it be a mountain packages in the lobby. So you still have to, to walk somewhere to retrieve your package. So whether you, wake, you make three more feet to go to the vehicle or you just stop there is really the same. It doesn't make a difference. Where do you go next? You're in the San Francisco area, right? Where, where are you going next? Where do you want to go next? We're going to Arizona and we're going to Texas. We're going to be in... This year you anticipate being there? Or? Yes. Yes, uh, we're going to be in Arizona by the end of this month, um, and we're going to be in Texas in the next uh, couple of months. How quickly do you see this rollout, and what do you envision for your company? I know there's competition, so you can tell us what you feel your advantages are, and, and how quickly this can really scale to be really meaningful. So there, there's two questions here. The, the, the first and foremost Number one question for retailers is customer satisfaction. It's very interesting that when you meet with um, the big retailers, they almost take the technology for granted and they're telling us, you know what, if you come to us, we think that you understand the technology of what you're proposing to us. What we care about is customer satisfaction. That's our number one priority. So that's what we want to test, number one. If customers are satisfied, we want, of course, this delivery system to cost less. Um, but customer satisfaction is number one. So the first thing that uh, we are going to be doing with a lot of retailers is test the customer satisfaction of this new revolution of automated deliveries. The second one is how fast can we remove the safety driver? Because that's the next question. You know, if you can't remove the safety driver, there's no business. This makes no sense. <laughs> you got nothing, right? Um, well, and in the beginning, it's not important to remove. I mean, the most important thing is to prove the concept because, you know, there's no scale there. How many are you removing? You know, three people, who cares? Uh, but, but, you know, to reach scale, you have to get there, right? So in the race to removing the safety driver, I think delivery is, um, is, is going to be the first one that can achieve that. And there is a very interesting concept here. It's the concept of sandboxing or super sandboxing. You do have um, certain in industries, uh, mostly B2B industries, that um, deliver this, the same types of goods every day to the same customers, sometimes multiple times a day. A good example is auto parts distribution. Auto parts distribution, you go from a delivery center and then you deliver to this dealership and that dealership and this dealership and then you come back to this and you do that seven times a day. So this is a, say, a 25 mile round trip that you can train the machine on and it, you don't have to go anywhere else, you don't have to map anywhere else. You just map these that. These various road. dealerships or, or mechanics can have their own dedicated box exactly. 
exactly. for, for their parts exactly. that they have access to. Exactly. So that's the key. That's what I call super sandboxing. Because now what you have to do is you have to map a 25-mile road, and because you do it 10 times a day, the machine gets trained on that 25-mile road, and it's probably going to be the first one where we're going to be able to remove the safety driver. Let me ask you this. Uh, go ahead. I was, I was going to ask whether or not you see Amazon as being a help by opening up consumer mindsets to all of this, or are they, are they the Goliath that's going to crush you? <laughs> I, I don't know. History will tell, but uh, the difference between Amazon and most other players in the industry is just the massive amount of packages that Amazon moves on a daily basis. Um, it's a different planet. Um, in the Bay Area, a typical Amazon truck will deliver 200 packages a day. Um, a typical grocery store in the in the Bay Area will deliver 10 to 15. So it's a ratio of 1 to 20. It's 20 times more. And some of those grocery stores are now Amazon-owned. <laughs> and Yes. Um, so I think that uh, the great things about uh, autonomous deliveries is it's, it's going to level the playing field between Amazon. Because the difference is the cost, okay? You, 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 you deliver 200 packages a day. Um, you have more or less the same cost divided by 200 when you deliver 10 packages a day. The same cost divided only by 10 is 20 times uh, uh, more expensive. Um, uh, I mean, I'm, other, I'm simplifying. Uh, my point, I guess, uh, was on the other hand, consumers are so open today, many of us are, to having and expecting deliveries same day, now two hours, whatever. So they've opened the door for consumers to allow all of these vehicles to be pulling up to our homes? Well, it, it turns out that we, we, we did some studies and it, it, it turns out that the reality is that a lot of customers are not so much interested in necessarily same-day delivery as they are in uh, the exact uh, timing of the delivery. The problem is that when you have and a store... With you, that's really important exactly. because somebody has to be there to go get to go get the package. There you go, and um, uh, and that's where um, it's going to be incredibly more convenient. Right now, if you want to order some groceries from a grocery store, they'll give you a two-hour window or three-hour window, and they'll say, "Well, deliver from six to nine. And of course, nine times out of ten, they come at seven fifty-five. But once they, they'll come at six, and so you have to be there at home doing nothing else than waiting for your delivery for three hours. Whereas with the computer. It'll give you an exact timing that you can follow on a map, like like Uber and an ETA, plus or minus two minutes. You'll make an appointment with the with the delivery, and if you're not there, you can reschedule. So the convenience is going to be extraordinarily better. So um, let me follow up a little bit on the uh, when the safety driver comes out. I've argued, and you can you can argue with me about it that with respect to goods movement, uh, there's this window between, let's say, um, 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., when the roads are totally unused, where um, really uh, there are no kids playing with balls on the street. Uh, there are no bi bicyclists out there. And um, people like Amazon or others who are doing next day who would have um, an Amazon box or, uh, you know, 
your box outside their house could be getting deliveries in that time period in which you know you could probably um, since there's nobody in the vehicle so there's nobody to harm there's nobody outside the vehicle there's nobody to harm you could remove the safety driver and do all this at least for a piece of the market very efficiently what do you think I, I, I think it's intellectually appealing, but I... <laughs> that, that means he didn't like it. Uh, okay, that's all right. Uh, You've got a nice personality. Uh, right. uh, intellectually appealing. Oh, boy, did I want that. Go ahead. Well, the, no, the reality. No, no, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you why. It's like it, it's. It's. I think. First of all, um, as we said earlier, you need to have someone to retrieve the goods. So if you're, Although I don't think we're going to end up there. I mean, I really think. Uh, you know, we have mailboxes. We had FedEx boxes. We had a lot of boxes. And in a sense, you know, you, the the mechanism. Uh, they're your customer, they're a repeat customer, you put that, all that stuff, you know what it is, it knows what to do. I mean, you, you, you could conceive of a, a mechanism that does that last piece. And the loading piece probably on the other end might or might not have, that's easier to deal because you have people there. But this issue with respect to matching the person, the, the, the rival person with the goods person, even though I can see Uber coming, they always lie to me. They always tell me they're going to be here soon. I, that's not true, Uber. I didn't mean it. Go ahead. Uh, well, there's this thing about somebody needs to be retrieving. So on the B2B, for the B2B side of the business, it's definitely possible to do deliveries at night. It, yeah, it actually makes... They, yeah, they, they, they have to because, but, you know, go ahead. The, but, the, yeah. other thing, the, the other thing about autonomous driving is... Um, is, is which is very important to understand is like 90% of it's been mastered. So it's not a question of being at night or not at night. You know, you got, it's, it's a question of those corner cases that you meet one in a million times. And you can meet those corner cases as much at night at 1 a.m. in the morning as you do them in, 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 in the day. But yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No. But, but the other thing that's overlooked um, um, in it by the industry and um, uh, is, is that uh, there is a very important step from here to removing the safety driver, which is the functional safety of the vehicle. Most of the vehicles um, today in research uh, of autonomous driving do not have functional safety and redundancies. And so this is something that we're working on that is absolutely critical to be able to remove the safety driver. We're, yeah. we're going to let you go in just a minute. Yeah, I agree. You know, Can you? done first. I agree. Who are some of the who are some of the technology partners? If you if you want to give us an idea that you're working with to make all this happen. Well, we're. Um, very proud of partnering with Baidu Apollo. Uh, Apollo has been making extraordinary progress. We were um, we helped them define the the specs for uh, the 3.5 release that uh, we're going to be announcing today. And uh, Apollo has been a terrific partner. They're going extremely fast. They have vast resources and is very likely to be one of the leading players in autonomous driving in the next uh, decade or so. And so we're very, very proud. Um, the, the other thing that you have to consider in terms of being able to be a fully autonomous um, application of a, a, a fully um, turnkey solution for autonomous driving is you have to think about it as an end-to-end -end solution. 
Um, if you need a, a, a somebody or a driver to get into the vehicle in the morning, ticket off the parking lot, turn on the ignition, uh, put the vehicle in the street, push a button to take it auto make it autonomous, that's not an autonomous delivery because it defeats the purpose. So what we created is we completely gutted the vehicle and we transformed the vehicle and transformed all the power electronics and made it a computer on wheel that can be totally remote controlled, including a very sophisticated tele-operation uh, where we can tele-operate the vehicle, turn on the ignition remotely, tele-operate the vehicle on the street and then put it on autonomous driving mode. For more info on, on what you're doing, where, where can people go? udelv.com. It's U-D-E-L-V.com. That's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We want to thank Daniel Laurie for taking the time with us. I'm Fred Fishkin. For Alan Kornhauser, thanks for listening. <laughs>